Welcome to the Travel Worth Living podcast. Our mission is to help aspiring travel content creators make a positive impact with the stories they tell. We do this by sharing the how and why of content creation through practical and inspirational stories. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Seth here, and this week we dive into the how of travel content creation with Giselle and Steven, aka at The Lover's Passport. Last year, as COVID hit, they took their passion for the great outdoors and turned it into a full-time job on social media. On their website and social media accounts, they share gear tips, camping hacks, and general information about hiking, especially in California. In just over a year, they've grown to nearly 130,000 followers on Instagram and 140,000 followers on TikTok. And during our conversation, they share exactly how they did it and how you can do it too. We also talk about how they balance creating content while also being present in the moment and how to deal with the inevitable presence of online haters. Near the end of this episode, they share the checklist which they use in order to collaborate with brands and make money from social media and content creation. Before we get into today's conversation though, I want to let you know that we just launched our absolutely free Travel Worth Living community. If you are just starting out as a content creator or want to network with other people who are successfully running their own content creation brands, then check it out at travelworthliving.co. Also, we are giving away a $25 Airbnb gift card which applies to both places to stay and the experiences which they offer. In order to win, simply follow at travelworthliving on Instagram, like our post announcing this podcast episode with at the lover's passport, and tag two friends in the comments. We'll be announcing the winner in next week's episode, so stay tuned. And now, here is my conversation with Giselle and Steven. Yeah, so yeah, we're Giselle and Steven, also known as the Lover's Passport, and we are full-time employees. I teach Taekwondo full-time, and Giselle is a marketing director, and we've kind of took our adventure road trip lifestyle and turned it into a business now through Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and photography. Yeah, so the full content creation gig from writing to producing content to photos to image licensing and affiliate marketing and the whole shebang. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what kind of got you into into doing this? Like what what sparked that, hey, I want to be Instagram content, well, Instagram driven content creators and TikTok. Right. Yeah. So we never really had the original goal of monetizing at first. It was more of a just like a outlet because I originally had a solo like female legitimate blog and website just with articles to help like other women get outside because a lot of our friends would ask us like hey what sleeping bag do I need what backpack do I need what hiking shoes do you recommend that kind of stuff and so I was like oh I'll just put it on here and like you know if people read it they they read it and then when COVID happened and lockdown happened, we had a lot more free time on our hands and I wasn't really doing much with my blog. I had a few articles, but that was about it. I wasn't on social media or anything for it. And I asked Steve and I was like, hey, would you wanna maybe do like a couples adventure blog instead? And at first we were like, yeah, let's do it. And in January of last year, we like reserved all of our names and stuff and our domains, but we didn't really like fully do it. So when lockdown came, he was super bored and like going stir crazy because we couldn't do anything. And so we were like, all right. And then Steven bought a camera last April. So it's been only like a year and two months since we bought our first camera. And then I learned, he did all the like photography learning. I did all the editing learning. And then we just started posting and 
we got some traction. And for my day job, I do, I work with a lot of influencers and content creators and I do have a marketing and PR background. So that does give me a leg up already. So I kind of knew in terms of like pitching, how to pitch a brand, how to pitch ourselves. So kind of just, we started growing and our content got better and we kind of found our own style and now we're here. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're telling me that you start, you bought a camera like just over a year ago. And how much photography practice did you have before that? Zero. <laughs> I had more. I, I, so I didn't do photography. I was a communication and a film and media major in college. And so I've done video, but I had never done just like straight photos outside of like a photography class in high school and my old film camera, but yeah, my, my, one of my best friends, Chris Munoz, he, we used to model for him. So I love backpacking hiking, rock climbing, all of that. And he wanted to get into outdoor photography. So we'd always ask us like, Hey, do you mind if I shoot you doing this? Or can you wear this shirt and we'll shoot this product for this company? So he's a professional photographer and he would always be talking like, oh, yeah, shutter speed. And oh, yeah, this is my composition. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like what? And then eventually, I think listening to all that for like a year or half, two yeah. before, I kind of like understood like, oh, I'm not just going to take a picture of this random landscape. I want to get a little bit more composition. So he kind of listening to him he and seeing him work. Him, yeah. Definitely. We took some of his inspiration. He was a lot of our inspiration and like, Oh, I, it kind of makes sense of what he's looking for. It wasn't like we had no idea what we were going into, but, but then there's the, the challenge of, we wanted to do something different in terms of what we were shooting. And so you have like the adventure landscape photographers, which is what our friend does. And then you have like the travel couples that just do like all the city stuff and not really like professional photography, but like, you know, pretty, pretty photos. So we saw this opportunity and we were like, there's not really any adventure couples like that are taking high quality, artsy, creative portraits, essentially. And so you're like, oh, we could we could do this. So we just, yeah, delved right in there. But it was definitely a. A process figuring out how to do everything and take these photos ourselves with us in the frame. Absolutely, and I think one of your one of your most recent posts talks about that, right? You kind of dive into how you took a shot. So, what are some of the creative ways that you are able to do that? First, you need the proper equipment, like tripod. You need a tripod, <laughs> and you need some people. There's there's some di like variations of how people do this. We use a remote, a wireless Bluetooth remote that works up to like 300 feet away. So that's how we can be super tiny in our shots and still be able to take them. Because there's a lot of people who buy remotes and they don't read the tech specs, and you can work up to like 10 feet away. That just doesn't do it for us. So we have a remote, a tripod, and then depending on the situation, we also have an intervalometer on our camera. So it will like just mm -hmm. take a photo every two seconds for however long we want. We normally use the remote though, just cause it gives us more accuracy in what we want to do. But yeah, or I mean, if you don't have any of those things, you can get a tripod and use your self timer and run and hope you make it in time, but <laughs> it doesn't always work. <laughs> Sometimes it can be really tricky. And I, I know when I first started getting into photography, that was one of the biggest questions for me. It's like, how do you take pictures of yourself if you're alone? And remotes have been fantastic. And then the app, I downloaded the app and that was like mind blowing because then you can actually see it. It's like remote <laughs> yeah, camera. Yeah. So you guys started this account like last 
basically last summer, a year ago, about yeah. because that's mm -hmm. when COVID last was April happening. For the most part. And you're up to what is it? 127,000 followers on Instagram and 134,000 on TikTok. How? What do you guys <laughs> think is the like? That's mind blowing to me. What do you guys think is the biggest factor which drove that growth? I think it's How did you grow your social media? <laughs> we're very competitive. <laughs> yeah, we're both super, super competitive. Like what anyone that we see doing something, we're like, okay, we're going to do this better. If there's someone that's out there doing, and I feel like we hopped on a lot of the like new, new things that TikTok was doing and new features that Instagram was putting out, like Instagram reels. We were putting out that's one of those every day for like a two to three months before anyone else really knew, wow, this, you can get a lot of growth from this. Like we went from having mm. 10,000 followers one month to having over 100,000 followers four months later. So it was like an insane amount of growth. In one month, we grew like 40,000 followers was our biggest biggest turnaround. Crazy. So yeah. it was, yeah, I think the real the video aspect of how you can like, tell a story rather than just showing a picture. One of our most viral reels was like, this is how we used to take our photos and show like a bunch of selfies and like cute things that are super relatable for a lot of couples and a lot of people. And then it the beat dropped and it showed all of our highlight reels, these insane, beautiful spots in nature. And I think that, that was the really, first, yeah, that was the yeah. first viral reel and TikTok that we had that really, it was super authentic. We just had a lot of people that I, we think were super relatable because we do both work full time and we just do this on the weekend. So I think a lot of people see that and are like, wow, if they can do it, we it's can attainable. totally do it. Yeah. And then I think that a mm -hmm. lot of we're, we're trying to be the experts on California. So anything that has to do with state parks, hiking, national parks in California, I think a lot of people didn't realize that California had more than just LA, LA. and San Francisco. Yeah. So I think that we're showing other parts of California that and how diverse the state is. So I think that a few little things like that have really helped us be successful. But I'll add on too, like we, this is a second full-time job, 100%. It's not by luck at all. We work opposite work schedules. So I work eight to four and he works like what two to nine two to eight and so in the morning he takes all the post stuff and at night I take all the post stuff so we always have one of us working on it essentially when, when unless it's the weekends the weekends we don't post we just do our stuff and and explore but during the week we we're very very busy <laughs> because we put out so much content so and we I would say too like it's really nice having a second person I don't think anyone who doesn't have a assistant or a partner to work with has a disadvantage at growing your account just because I am able to split up everything 50-50 with Steven. So that that definitely helps, but we put a lot of time and effort into it, but you see the results when you do that, so. And I feel like it also helps when you get in like creative funks or, you know, powering through that just, just to have somebody else working on it with you to kind of encourage you. Um, talk to me a little bit about the importance of finding a niche and how you are kind of the authority on California, like you're really niching down on that. I think that one of the first things that we did when we first started our account was we were like, okay, here's three accounts that we really want to be like, and here's three accounts that we don't want to be like. So we picked, I think the three of the main ones were Backpacker Diaries. They were like a were travel adventure yeah. couple out in Europe. And then there was Renee Roaming, who specialized in national parks and itineraries. So she has a lot of like, save this for later. So if you're traveling to that location, you can refer back to that post 
and then Marie and Jake Snow. They're definitely the biggest out of all of them. And they're more of like the super creative, always on top of it. Very couple-y. Yeah, very couple -y. But they have over a million followers. So yeah. um, those are the three influences. But me working in branding and PR and stuff, we did a, a ton of branding exercises first to kind of like, okay, here's the current, let's say market for lack of a better word what's what's missing and so kind of how i was explaining earlier like we we took two niches the travel couples and the adventure photographers and we kind of made our own so when we first started doing what we were doing you didn't really see anyone else doing content like what we were doing now it's a little bit different now there's tons, tons of copycats adventure couples. not copycats they were influenced by <laughs> you were too but, successful at being influencers <laughs> <laughs> but no it's really cool seeing all those people get out but when we first started there was no other person that i know of that was producing very similar like going into the mountains and taking couples creative self-portraits kind of thing you know so the beach I feel like yeah, it's, it's not really like a beach stuff. or cities or like vacations yeah. rather than like adventures necessarily. And then all the people that I think did do the type of things that we are taking pictures of was like the boyfriend taking pictures of the girlfriend. And this then they is would very post. true. Yes. So was, those are like the two types of things that we saw. So yeah. I thought that it would be really fun to put us both there and show the scale and kind of like the, you know, just the adventure lust of getting out there, having someone to adventure with it. Right. But you also, in terms of niching, you don't want to niche down too hard is what we realized. So like when we first started, we definitely experimented with a few different, like we did put some city stuff in there. You won't find that anymore because it's archived, but <laughs> we did like mix in some stuff and we kind of figured out what our audience liked the best and then expanded on it. So Clearly everyone liked the outdoor adventure stuff, but we kind of have like sub niches. So we have like the backpacking posts, we have hiking, road trips, camping. They're all like sub niches because not everyone overlaps there. And then we also have couples and then like the photographers who are trying to learn from us. So it's a wide variety, but I wouldn't, I think the biggest mistake when you're niching down is niching down too much because then you're trapped in that box for like a long time. And if you do want to pivot down the line, it's going to be a lot harder to pivot. So like, I mean, I can imagine Steve and I are not going to be out like doing these crazy adventures like for when we're 50 and 60, you know, <laughs> like down the line, if we, if we want to continue our brand, let's say into like a family adventure account one day, that would be more, it would be easier to transition or like if we wanted to start traveling in cities but still taking cool photos it's easier to transition because we already had the couple aspect and just things like that i've seen people in the outdoor niche try and pivot to like fashion and that's just way yeah <laughs> they they lose a lot of their target audience from doing that yeah that's so interesting you said that because you're like one of the first people i've heard that that's talking about you can niche too far. And I totally, I 100% agree with you because I feel like sometimes people get trapped into this one specific aspect and it stunts their growth. And honestly, like I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of nothing kind of guy. I really <laughs> like to do all sorts of things. And that's been the hardest thing with, you know, coming for this podcast in specific, you know, cause I started it as just travel and then now I'm niching down to content creators. But for me, I'm just kind of like, I want to leave it all open. And I have right. to fight the urge to include everything and and niche down. But it's also very important to remember that you can actually niche down too much and kind of limit yourself. And I I think 
you know, the most important thing is to keep that curiosity, that creativity. And if you have yourself stuck in a box, then you can't branch out and do that. And Definitely. sometimes people just like your style. So if you guys transition to, you know, sailing and you were taking a, a couple pictures, you I know, around so. the world, yeah. <laughs> you know, like people, your followers would, your audience would probably still just swing into that because you still have your style. And so, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I'm curious, you were talking about how you got viral with using Instagram Reels. This might be an off the wall question, but how do you guys think content creators can kind of know what's next? Because as Reels came in, TikTok came in, there was a huge opportunity for growth. Whereas Instagram in general, just posting, we kind of saw a slump. It's really, really hard right. to grow. So how can you find those, find those waves early, early enough? I'd say the second they talk about releasing a new feature, hop on it. It doesn't matter if you suck at it, like at first, like <laughs> making guides, for example, or IGTVs, they're gonna start, I know they're rolling out a ton of new features from what I've heard. So whatever they roll out, just hopping on it right away just putting content out there to put out content. <laughs> because with Reels, nobody really knew the potential of it, but obviously Instagram wants this new feature to be popular, so they're gonna push it, or the algorithm's gonna push it out more. So same thing with any of the new features that can help monetize Instagram, or like make money for Instagram. The more you use it, the more likely your content's gonna be shown, or at least from what we've experienced. Now, yeah. and it definitely comes in waves, I think. If you're not in that first early adopter wave, like now it's way mm -hmm. harder for Reels yeah, in the beginning, everything hit a million views, if not more, for us. It was like just a cycle, it would just go off. And now, like our top posts, it takes like probably three like weeks. three weeks to even get close to 200,000 views. So it's definitely dropped just because the competition's so high. I think another thing of what Giselle was saying is like be on the new features, but also be on as many platforms as you can and repurpose that content. So, like, we'll make one video. I do most of the video editing for our reels. So, I'll go on and I'll post our reel and then I'll take that same video and post it on TikTok. We'll take that same video and post it on YouTube Shorts. We'll take that same video and post it on <laughs> Triller. It's like we, we have that same video and we'll repurpose it across four or five different platforms. That way if it takes off on one, we can see, okay, that's gonna do really well. So it'll probably, we'll get followers from TikTok that'll come over to Instagram or maybe we'll get some people from Instagram to, to convert over, to over YouTube. YouTube and yeah. it kind of starts to create a more of a circular community rather than just one in the beginning what we did a lot was on TikTok. we would post four or five video videos a day but it'd be the same video using different words we'd a b test or exactly because <laughs> on TikTok, yeah. your fault you could we have 134,000 followers but only like a thousand people would see one of our TikToks. so if we put out three or four of them it's not like we're going to overwhelm our followers with too much content that they're gonna to wanna to unfollow us. It just gives you more opportunity to see, okay, which keywords are gonna work better. Or what hook is gonna grab their attention better. Yeah, so we've kind of so. used TikTok as a A-B tester to bring over to Instagram, which is more of the highlight reel. Yeah, and that's where your marketing expertise comes in because, <laughs> and I, I, like, I like how you do that, kind of creating that circular, all-inclusive audience experience because uh you can also use social media platforms as funnels you know like tiktok if if instagram hadn't introduced reels tiktok would like blow up with the the views and then they could go and see you on instagram and then hop over there so it's it's kind of like this huge 
funnel that you're able to bring people in. I also wanna talk about kind of the passion behind it because if you did this simply, although I will say you guys, be, as a marketing and photographer, this is very interesting and enjoyable for you guys from a business perspective. But what about like just getting out and, and adventuring on the weekends? What kind of keeps push, pushing you guys to do it? I mean, that we've That's been doing we it. Yeah, <laughs> our first road, our first, or like our third date was a road trip up to Big Sur. That's a five hour drive and back in one day. That was like our third date. And then we just went on hikes all yeah, the time. Every other time. That's I a mean, fantastic we, date. Lots yeah. Of <laughs> we live in Santa, we were living in Santa Barbara at the time. And I mean, it's like one of the most beautiful mountainous oceans. California is gorgeous. I mean, it was very easy for us to just pick up and say, let's go. I mean, one. The um, difference is we have a camera now. Like, yeah. we were doing this before, but now we have a camera. And we were already taking pictures for our friends. So it's not like a very weird mm -hmm. transition for us since we just weren't the ones clicking the shutter, but we were still taking photos with our buddies. So it was just, it was a pretty natural transition. I think the one thing we always have to like control now that we're bigger and we sometimes do feel the need to take more content for clients or for ourselves, et cetera, is kind of making sure we don't overdo it. So normally when we're out doing our adventure weekends, we'll kind of limit like shooting time to sunrise and sunset. And then the rest of the day, we don't really have the phones out. We don't have the cameras out. We're just enjoying what we're doing or we'll like put okay, I think we got it. Let's put the camera away and just live in the moment. So I feel like there's a, a lot of people get not, well, there's like a stereotype around it that we're always just on. But I think we do a very good job of balancing the adventure and the business side so the adventure is still enjoyable. And I think it helps a lot when you figure out like what you want to do. Like in the beginning, we had tons of people that were asking us, what kind of gear should I use? Or where should you guys just got back from that trip? Where should I go? So we were all already sending the same text messages to all of our friends. So being able to have the goal of like, okay, well, let's just help more people get out and try an adventure for themselves. Because I feel like the barrier to entry when you start backpacking or road tripping or hiking is extremely high. There's like, There's a lot you're of sleeping either. out in the boondocks where you could, there's animals out there. You're going hiking on different trails where you can get lost. It's like there, there's a lot of like people I think that do it solo and, you know, kudos to them. But I don't know if I coming from like just coming out of high school and being like, okay, I want to start hiking. There's so much gear you need. There's so many questions you have. So I think that having that mindset and seeing the DMs and seeing the messages of like, I built my car setup after you guys, or I just got back from your full Yosemite itinerary and it was amazing. Thank you for making our or trip. Like, we got one where they were like, I'm proposing to my girlfriend and need your recommendations on where, which cliff to do this on. Like, yeah, so it's, it's been really <laughs> cool awesome. seeing how our advice can help other people. I think that's what kind of keeps us going. Every time we get back from a trip, we'll post the itinerary or post like, this is what we recommend. And then we'll have dozens of people be like, yo, I was about to go there next weekend. This is perfect. So it's really cool seeing how our work can help other people get out and adventure, which is the goal. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of, it's that, it's that connection with other people that really drives you and pushes you which speaking of which you mentioned you had a, a funny experience when you were first growing your account and you were out hiking yeah it was, it was we actually just went on another trip with them to yosemite but it, we we like never have even thought that it would reach this point but we were growing we had a few reels go viral especially especially on tiktok we had a couple videos that hit almost two million views 
and we were out hiking, and then all, there was another couple up there. Like at when, sunrise, yeah, and at, we're like, whoa, yeah, that's sunrise, weird. No one's like ever out here. Yeah, sunrise, it was like 5.30 a.m. We were usually the only ones, and we were like, shoot. And it was another couple. I was like, you know what? Good for them. That's awesome. And then we were shooting, doing our thing. They were taking their own photos. And then later, once we finished, they looked over, and they were like, are you guys the lover's passport? And it was kind of that like, whoa, like there's, we're being recognized now. And now we get recognized all the time. Like we were in Tahoe, which is a nine hour drive for us. And people were like, I follow you guys on Instagram on our sunset hike. And then we saw someone, they were like, we kayaked past you guys. And we're like, whoa, this is so weird. Like every trip we go on, because I mean, they're they're popular spots, but I think it's, it's very surreal. We had someone in Yosemite asked to take selfie with us <laughs> yeah it's just, no just kind of crazy to think about how we've gone from like posting and just loving taking pictures and going on adventures and it doing mostly for us and our little community but now it's on such a big scale where we're getting recognized on at some places which is kind of mind-blowing like you don't really think about it until you think about it and then some people dm us and they're like oh i saw you in yosemite on this hike the other day but i was too scared to come say hi and i'm like <laughs> We're just normal people. <laughs> say hi. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's yeah, cool because those, those people we've met up and done several trips with now. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to make that's connections awesome. in the adventure community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another one of the benefits of niching down into, you know, your niche, because then those popular spots where people go, you'll, you'll be recognized because a lot of your followers are inspired to go to those places as well. And it's crazy when you think about it, like 127,000 like followers on Instagram, thinking about that in real life, everybody in one place, like that's, that's mind blowing. <laughs> I don't think about it. It's way, way weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I, I feel like since we grew so fast, I still haven't really processed it. Like that's a lot of people until some like troll comes and says like, you guys are ruining nature because of your audience size, whatever. I think it's just crazy. Like we fall, there are some people that we like aspire to be that we think of them as like, they're professional photographers. Like they travel the world, they do this. And now we've surpassed them. And now we, them. we have more followers than some of them. Like Not that followers matter in terms yeah, of your work. It's just like mind blowing to think like, oh, like we're, we're, we're at peers this level. Now, it's almost than... the, what's the, what's it called? It's the something effect the imposter syndrome where you like yeah you're at that level but you're like you don't really believe that you're at that level where you're like questioning things that you do when yeah, yeah. people ask me for my because i do he does most of the photography setup and i do most of the editing of our photos and people ask me all the time like oh are you guys gonna sell presets i want your your like edits and i'm like I don't feel like they're good enough. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't release them yet. Like I'm still learning and all this stuff, but it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's kind of like climbing the ladder, you know, even if you're just one rung ahead, you can reach back and help the next person up. Yeah. yeah. But I think everybody struggles with imposter syndrome and yeah, I mean, what are some ways you've dealt with that as I don't know, maybe that's a weird question to ask or you might not have an answer to that as you're trying to... I was gonna say, I feel like I get it a little bit more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> but I I try and, or what I've recently started doing is anytime we get like a very nice DM or message, I'll screenshot and put in a folder just to make, you know, like if I'm having days where I'm like doubting myself or like there's the potential of me eventually going full-time with this, but... Anytime I like think about it, it kind of stresses me out. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll go back and look at it and be like, okay, like 
I'm making an impact on these people. I'm definitely qualified to be where we're at. But yeah, just like the, the positive reinforcement is is nice to have when you're questioning that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it, the bit, at least for, she de- deals with it a lot on the editing standpoint. And I feel it deal with it a lot on the photography standpoint because I set up all of our shots mm-hmm. and take that. So I think of other people in our niche that are putting out these insane pictures that get that like doesn't or way more likes than us and we're almost at the same level them like well are what are we doing wrong or like how can I so you start questioning things but I mean it just gets to the point where we tech technically we're professional photographers we shoot at that level but we have a different style than a lot of people we're less on the cinematic artsy style of that we've only been doing it for a year so I feel like our captures are more showing the scale and kind of telling the story of like these two people went to this area so I think it everyone has their own journey you can't really judge it off of the followers but I think I deal with a lot of the responses I do all the engaging with responding to comments and DMs and stuff like that so I think I see a lot more of the positive side G uh, I have a proclivity for finding trolls <laughs> I don't know why like I'll just, I turned off my comment notifications just because I'm way more of a sissy when it or like when it comes to that kind of thing and I it's take hard, it way yeah. personally and he doesn't he doesn't really care but there's some where I just laugh and there's others that just get me so fired up I've had to turn off my comment controls but the <laughs> sometimes I'm just on the notifications like it opens on my notifications and I'll see something right there and I'm like no, why do I keep doing this? But <laughs> yeah, that's just one of the, the the unfortunate side effects of having or the content creation space is constantly dealing with negative people. But I think it's yeah. more when your post goes viral because that's when you start people that don't follow you. It's all the that people one, that don't follow see you. See that yeah, like one slice us. of the pie. They don't see like everything else has gone into it. Like if we'll post an itinerary, people are like, oh, you're ruining California. You're the reason it's so overpopulated. Or we'll post like California has these amazing national parks and the whole comment section will be like, don't forget about the politics. Or, where's don't the for- homeless where's people? Where's the homeless people and the heroin needles? We're like, well, like the- you're missing the entire rest of like what part of the video did you watch or did you even look at our yeah. profile and no, see people that just hate to hate but yeah it's whatever it's very true yeah and i i think it's important to talk about this stuff because everybody gets it who you know has a significant social following or like you said is going viral because then you know just people random people find you and they have an agenda and they have you know this mindset and they can't like open it up to see what you're sharing all they can think about is what they want to share and they're going to share their negativity on your page and you're caught in a crossfire and that's just something like going into it too if you're thinking of content creation as a side hustle like it's kind of inevitable especially with the nature of tiktok and the nature of reels to be shown to anyone (laughs) you just have to take it with a grain of salt and also not like i'd say don't engage with them some people we've blocked just for like my mental health because they're just rude people and i think every content creator should have you know the right to just block someone because they want to block someone if they're not making you feel good then block them but then they'll come on on like their cat's account and continue commenting and i'm like this literally happened last week i I was astounded that somebody had the time who doesn't follow us who's a total stranger to come on on her cat's account to go tell us that we are nature exploiters but it's just fascinating that's the best thing they have to do with their time (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, kind of makes you feel special, right? You know, it's like, man, she's taking the time out of her day to right, explain this to me. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible, but really funny, but terrible. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we've met, we had a couple of reels that did very well, and we were like turning our turning some of our comments into inspirational quotes, and then we posted like ten ten everyone of the super rude comments, and everyone was like, "Wait, you actually get these comments?" Because most people see it and they go on and comment something in like nice about it and then we'll go on with their merry way they don't see all the other dozens of hate comments mostly on videos or reels that go get a big following if it's from our audience that follows us it's never anything rude or anything yeah it's, it's just usually, all the strangers yeah it's just when people that yeah. aren't in your niche or audience start seeing your content because it shows up on the explore page where you start to get those type of content mm -hmm. Yeah, and before before we even chatted about this, like I'd have had no idea that you guys got negative comments on your content. Like your content, there's <laughs> what is there's there to no be negative? To but then you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you said it. You know, it's California po politics and yeah. overuse and what like people have these agendas and they'll find something. It doesn't matter what you do. The, there'll always be something. Those, those haters, it's engagement. Engagement. It helps to get your post out there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's, it's really funny when you see them start arguing with each other. Like we won't even respond. Views, yeah, the video views keep going up and up and up, and it's because there's these people attacking each other. And I'm yeah, like, well, just... I'm just not gonna. They can just fight on my post, and we'll get monetized. As you fight it. about homelessness and heroin, we are growing our post about the beauties of California. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Oh, Oh man, before we kind of wrap up this conversation, I want to make it super practical for my listeners. And we already talked about kind of kind of a, a simple thing for them to do, um, niching and finding three accounts that they like and three accounts that they don't like. But I also wanted to go over, you guys have kind of built this checklist or process for reaching out to brands and doing collabs. And I know Giselle, you have a lot of experience with this because your other full-time job is marketing. So for somebody who's kind of just starting out, what's what's the checklist you use that they could just write down and be able to implement? Right, so I would first start off by saying you don't need a ton of followers to work with brands. I, th I think that's a common misconception. I will say, for example, my company that I do it for, I make sure they have a minimum of a thousand, but I mean, the sweet spot's like 10K and above. However, I mean, you could have a good engaged community below that. It just really depends on the, the account. But when you're pitching and you're reaching out to brands, the first thing is contact the right person. The number one reason why people don't read our emails if we're pitching a brand, because we, we have like an email tracking thing to see if people open our emails or not, which is also really helpful. Install that. Um, is that we're not sending it to the right person. If you're not sending it to the PR coordinator or the publicity person, you're most likely not going to get a response. Or you'll get the typical response saying, we'll forward this to the marketing team and they'll reach out to you if they're interested. One, one trick that we use to do that is just following them and engaging on their posts as much as you can. Like there's top... Pick like three brands that you love, follow them, and then turn on post notifications for them. Be a fan. Yeah, yeah. so anytime they post, like their post, engage with it. The more you're doing that, the more they're going to be like, who is this person that's always engaging on us? And they'll click through to you. And then following that, after you give it a few weeks or a month or even longer if you guys are a little bit smaller, I just shoot them a DM. That's been working really well for us for that's trying to find the contact. After yeah. you've been engaging, be like, hey, 
like we have a really good idea that for for instance this summer be like hey let's say we're pitching rei okay rei we love what you guys are doing we have a really good idea revolving around summer solstice where we want to do this 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 in one day we would love to collaborate with you guys on this what is a good email or what is a good marketing contact for your media team and then if they get back to us awesome then you send the email and if they don't get back to you then why would they even respond to your email because that you're trying to do it on social media. So I think that's been really, really helpful, especially for like Giselle said, finding the right person. Right, so that find the right person and then the pitch. I will tell you right now, if I get a pitch that I can, one, see if it's been, if I've been BC or BCC'd and sent out to every brand, you know, wherever, I'll, it goes in my trash, I don't even read it. But if you can make a connection with the products, like, Hey, we're Giselle and Steven. We've been using your REI Co-op Magma 15 sleeping bag for the past three years. It's been on all of our adventures, and we absolutely love this feature about it. We're actually doing a summer backpacking trip out to the Colorado Rockies, and we're bringing it, bringing us, or bringing it with us. Like, we'd love to do some content creation for you guys. Would you, or do you have any marketing X Y Z? You know, like. Just kind of make that connection with the brand. Show that even if you haven't used the product before, show that you've done your research. So like, look on their website, take a take a look around. You shouldn't just be pitching a blind pitch to companies that you've never heard of. So see what, yeah. go to their About Us page, figure out why they're a special brand, why people would wanna shop from them. And you wanna evaluate, would you buy that product yourself? So that's that's another thing when you're coming up with your pitch. And then if you are doing, I would say there's two different kind of pitches. There's like the photographer pitch and like the content creator pitch versus the influencer pitch. The influencer pitch, we always make sure to establish like we have a highlight, it's your highlight reel, it's your 30 second elevator pitch. So we have 127,000 followers on this platform or we'll say we have a combined total of, I don't know, 250,000 followers across several platforms, including blah, 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 blah. We have an incredibly high engagement rate and we have high resolution images, et cetera. So like just kind of nailing in our highlight points, like if you have a professional camera, if you have a high following, if you don't have a high following, but you have a high engagement rate, all things that we like to see. And I always talk about our audience, like our audience consists of hikers, backpackers, road trippers, and outdoor enthusiasts. And making sure that audience overlaps with the brand's audience, knowing, kind of saying like, hey, we know your target audience and it's our audience. So making that clear and then, you know, making sure you wrap up the pitch nice and sweet with the goal, what what do you want to do with them? You can't just say, hey, we'd love to work with you. Be like, hey, we'd love to do an Instagram post or like a three-month Instagram collaboration, one post a month. Like, love to chat more. Do you have any time to hop on a call this week? Yeah, the more specific you are, the better. Usually we pitch them like a primary trip. For instance, we're climbing Mount Whitney coming up in the next, this month actually. So we were trying to pitch brands for that specific trip saying, hey, we are doing this. We think that your brand is going to be a perfect way to highlight that. We would like to show it off on this trip, on these dates. Do you have, are you interested in collaborating on this? Yeah. So, so we pitch a trip. And then just to like final it all, once you send the email, follow-ups are super key. Like sometimes so your inbox can just, it'll like, I have three different emails for work. And so like going through all of those emails all the time. And I also shared an email with my other PR person. So like, 
sometimes we just miss it or like sometimes we read it and we get distracted and then it's like Mm. close. So follow-ups are super key because we've gotten a lot more gigs from following up on like the third, the fourth time. Yeah. Usually Um, we set a little reminder and one week later for the next five to six weeks, we'll follow up with the next one being a media kit. The next one just saying, Hey, we want to bump this to to the top of your email. Like hope you've been having a great week. Something super simple where you're not like bugging them all the time. Like, I'd say like don't follow up more than like two or three times in a week. That's a lot. But like, <laughs> like, like if it's been a week, we'll follow up again, and like a week later, we'll follow up again. Normally, people get back to you and say they're not interested because they're tired of seeing you in your inbox. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and we've also had a couple where we stopped following up, and then three or four months later, they randomly they'll, reach they'll out. They'll randomly <laughs> reach out and be like, "Hey, we saw you reached out back then. Now we're because it might just not be a campaign. A lot of the times, we're getting yeah. pitched by companies for a specific campaign using their summer. They have a new product coming out, right. or, or they don't have a budget at the time." but now they do so exactly so we think that's super super important especially when it comes to creating like because you can't think of it as yourself you can't be like i want to work with this brand they should work with me you need to think of like oh i want to work with this brand and i can offer them this much yeah it's not about you it's about the brand but that's that's the top tips i think i would say for pitching I love it. And if if somebody wanted to kind of create more learning from you guys, what other things do you have to offer on your website? I think you have, yeah, you have a website. But yeah. if they started following you, what more can they learn from you guys? Oh, we have tons. So our I would say our YouTube, Instagram are more like hiking, backpacking, camping, road tripping, tips, itineraries, packing guides, gear reviews, gear guides, all that kind of stuff. If you're looking to do more with content creation and growing your account, we have a Patreon specifically for that. Like it's like basically just for content creators or aspiring content creators, or if you know, just wanna buy us coffee kind of thing. But we do weekly videos on there. So we go over like our engagement strategy, our hashtag strategy, different kind of lenses we use, our pitching, our reels and edit, reels TikTok editing. TikTok editing, yeah, so everything that has to do with content creation. We get the scenes. so many questions about it and we didn't want to pollute our adventure hiking page with that. So we just created a whole different platform on Patreon. And we also have an ebook. So if you guys are new photographer, like I said, we went from not having a camera or any experience a year ago to now being professional Working photographers. With like Universal Studios and Walmart and like Columbia, it's kind of surreal. So mm-hmm. yeah, we have a whole, it's like 50 pages on our photography ebook on exactly how to get off auto mode and Yeah, um, everything revolves around manual settings to gear that you want to photography and photo editing, how to save it, how to export it, everything that you could think of regarding photography that you need to know is in that ebook. So if you guys are looking to become a photographer or if you just want to take it to the next level, that's what we recommend for everyone. Awesome. And they can find all of that at The Lover's Passport, which I haven't asked, what what kind of, how did you come up with that name? <laughs> that was okay. all Giselle. <laughs> so I narrowed it, yeah, that was all me. I narrowed it down to like a ton of like couple names and adventure names. Like I think the other one we were in between was like everyday adrenaline or something like <laughs> weird that now does not work. But finding a name that Sounds wasn't like Red Bull name. or something. <laughs> so finding a name that wasn't taken on a URL plus all the social media platforms was very difficult. Like I had a whole list 
like now that I think about it, we could have been like the adventure passport or like, you know, so, I don't know. But that was probably taken when I looked it up. And so I actually took a ton of keywords. I, I looked up like, okay, what are the most like used keywords when it comes to travel and adventure and couples? And so I just pulled those words together and kind of put random combinations of words. And we ended up with the lover's passport because I thought it was a very searchable name. <laughs> Yeah. That's why we named it because I wanted it for the SEO purposes. <laughs> but it was good SEO. I um, thought we were doing a lot yeah. more international travel. This we was in picked, January. Yeah, the yeah. lover's passport because we thought we were going to do an international travel. We booked a trip to Mexico. We were getting ready to book other ones, and then COVID. COVID. So we just <laughs> yeah. kept it. Now everyone knows this is the lover's passport, so we can't really change it. <laughs> well, hey, hopefully the brand can grow international at some oh, point. Hopefully soon. Yes. And now it's time for travel trivia. Travel trivia coming your way. Do you prefer travel by train or bus? Train. Nice. <laughs> beaches or city? Yeah. Beaches. Yeah, definitely beaches. Solo travel or group travel? Group. Group. Yeah. <laughs> what about couple travel or group travel? Depends probably, on the trip. Uh, I'd say couple. couple. We've had a couple trips where we're like, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. Deep ocean diving or mountain climbing? Mm, mountain climbing. Yeah, I'll still say mountain. Uh, Nikon Canon or Sony? Canon. <laughs> Do you prefer traveling on a boat or an airplane? airplane? Airplane. When you travel, are you more strict schedule or go with the flow? Strict schedule. Yeah. I feel like strict schedule, especially during sunrise and sunset. Middle of the day, it's kind of go with the flow. Do you prefer flying first class or economy? Economy. economy. Budget travel all the way. <laughs> yeah. If you could have more money or more time, which would you choose? Time. Yeah, definitely time. Huh, so time. Do you prefer planned tours or random exploration? Planned. Random. I like random. Really? Yeah. We always plan everything. Yeah, but I always like the random, like... Okay. <laughs> Like in terms of be a good discussion later. Planned, in terms of photos, like planned, but I feel like a lot of our random or like the spontaneous stuff always ends up being memorable. I don't know. True. Last question. What makes travel worth it to you personally? And this could be a together or each of you personally. I think you just grow so much as a person. You learn so much about yourself and whoever you're traveling with and other cultures. So I think there's no reason not to because you can I feel like you can only grow from traveling and learn about so many new things and experiences that you wouldn't do if you didn't go to a new a new spot yeah I feel like it really opens your mind like I've talked to a lot of people who don't travel just here in our community and they're very close-minded they're very used to like the ways here and I feel like they're kind of nervous to travel. Like they're, there's like a barrier to entry mentally where it's kind of scary. But if you do take that leap of faith, I think that it really opens your mind to what else is out there. Right. And like it makes, at least in my opinion, it makes me work harder when I know like there's so much out there that I want to see. Let me bust my butt now so that I have the opportunity to really push myself and see all these amazing things. Right, and I think it also gets you out of like this ethnocentrism where you think like your culture is the best way mm -hmm. like going getting out of that bubble the only way you can escape culture is by leaving your culture you're in my little anthropology class I took in college so like that 
seeing, like I, I studied abroad twice in the Netherlands and in England. So like I loved being able to see how everything is so different in other countries. Thank you for being a part of today's conversation. If you're ready to take your travel content creator brand to the next level, come join us in the free Travel Worth Living community at travelworthliving.co. This episode was edited and produced by Agnes Kretostotter with music by Vlad Glushenko. I'm your host, Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living. <laughs>